so we are at seven o'clock. This is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday number four, uh, live from Ramiro's in Prump, Nevada. And tonight we are going to talk about our 250F uh, comparison, off-road comparison that we just did, and catch up on some old stuff. Uh, had a few questions uh, posted up on either YouTube or through um, the post we do following the show on Dirt Bike Test. Usually on uh, Wednesday morning, I take the raw video footage and then edit it back down into a usable bit and put it up on YouTube. And that way I can um, cut out the beginning and fix, there's no drops in that one. So if you feel like you missed something, and you're trying to figure out uh, what I said when it was all fuzzy and pixelated like it is right now on the Internet because a bunch of people just walked out through the door and blocked our, uh, our very, very narrow stream of uh, Internet's coming into this bar area. Um, that's where the problem is. So we're working on it, uh, trying to make it better, or maybe we'll just uh, relocate to a more Internet-connected place. Uh, it's weird. They're not everywhere yet if you live out here in the, out in the desert. So um, today, uh, I'll get going and start answering questions uh, as much as I can right off the bat. Um, everybody's talking about it really freezing up. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I can't I just explain that. Um, and then uh, Tarek. Tarek, I remember Tarek back from the old Orange County Suzuki days. He sponsored uh, all of my crusty demon buddies <laughs> that could finance dirt bikes so they could go huck them out at the dunes that was uh that was awesome remember brighton <laughs> how many and rusty how many bikes did you finance those guys on <laughs> so uh good to see you Tarek. um anyhow the uh the next thing 250 off-road comparison so we had a honda crf 250RX, we had the KTM 250XCF and the Yamaha YZ250FX uh, out here. We've ridden all the bikes individually. Um, we are kind of waiting on getting the KTM. Uh, another magazine had it and parked it in their garage for a long time. Uh, magazine I may or may not have used to have worked for. They, they really like parking the bikes in the garage and hanging on to them. So we had it for a few days. Uh, ran it through our battery of tests. Um, we had test riders. Most of them uh, are actively racing. They race things like Big Six, works races, um, stuff like that. Uh, they were mostly younger guys that race these bikes. Uh, they ride in the amateur or the B class. Uh, we had some experts ride them. So we had weight ranges from basic, basically 140 uh, pounds all the way up to 220 pounds. Uh, we had Big John. Uh, come out and ride our, our bikes. That was maximum spring preload uh, on that one. And we set them up uh, for the guys who were riding them. So one day we had light light spring preload day. The next day we had heavy spring preload day and uh, cranked on, um, on different tests. So we were focused on these things, testing them as race bikes, uh, mostly on the first day with the younger kids that that's what they do, race. And the second day, we took them for a trail ride, but it didn't stop us from racing them quite a bit uh, around when we were out on the trails. And that's what these bikes are, is they're 
they're designed, they're they're tuned, they're set up to be off-road race bikes. But the cool thing is they work pretty good as trail bikes also, especially if you're looking for something that's really light and agile. Um, so if you're doing GNCCs, hair scrambles, sprint enduros, that's where these bikes really shine, and they're designed for the younger rider. Um, they're not designed for vet riders, really. These are high-strung. It's basically, in my day, these were 125s, um, 125 cc bikes, and now since everything's gone four strokes, and it's an unfair advantage to compare them to 125s because they have twice the displacement, um, that's where we're at. So they're different than the motocross bikes that they're designed very they resemble the motocross bikes quite a bit but they've been tuned or given features that an off-road guy would um, really like to use and that includes uh, 18 inch rear wheels uh, most all, they all have kickstands um, they all have larger capacity fuel tanks some of them have different transmissions and some of them have a specific ECU mapping and tuning set up for the off-road environment. So what, like everybody wants to know, like which is the best one, what's your favorite, which one won? I'll get to that. You have to wait. It's going to take a little while. Um, we are going to see um, where we are with the connectivity here. Bad, as usual. So, uh, Let's talk about the, the first thing we're going to talk about is power. And essentially, in this class, power is everything. Having um, a 250F that has good torque and, and rideability and then also makes a lot of power is a tough, tough ask. You know, it's easier to do with a 350, and for sure, you know, the 450s have plenty of power, but the 250. They're real RPM dependent, and in this class, we have three totally different characteristics inside of the motors. Um, they're all race motors. They're not chuggy or, or like play bikes in any way, shape, or form. They're all very aggressive when you compare them to, um, you know, a play bike type of power band. And going up from something like that, they're way more like the motocross bikes. But in our world, the Yamaha is all about the bottom end and the mid-range. The Honda kind of just sits itself right in between the two bikes where it has pretty good uh, bottom and and pretty good middle. It's a good spread of everything. And then the Yamaha, or yeah, then the KTM is your mid-range to top-end motor. And I think on our Instagram feed uh, a couple days ago, we had a live story. That's why you gotta check it. Um, where we actually held a camera while we did a third gear roll on and then and then I think we did two of them and it was pretty uh, classic I mean what you saw in that in that roll on I was on I can't remember which bike I was on I think I was on the I was on the KTM and you can sit there and look off to the side and you can watch the Honda and the Yamaha just kind of slowly move away from it and it's just a third gear roll on so this is almost like a a dyno it's like a human powered dyno where you get to watch and so we we're in the bikes in third gear and you go one two three and then bang nail the throttle wide open and then they pull and we let them pull and rev all the way up to rev limiter the other thing this kind of shows is it reveals 
some of the uh, characteristics of the transmission. Like if, if a bike's geared a little bit higher or a little bit lower, um, you know, sometimes that'll be revealed. And what you saw with these third gear roll-ons is that the Yamaha just gets up and goes. And the lower the RPM we started at, and we did, the, we did this more than just a few times you saw in the video, we did this probably 15 different times. The lower the RPM you start at, the more of an advantage the Yamaha has, the more it pulls and torques away. And then the Honda goes pretty much right with it. Maybe not right when you crack the throttle, but in you know a half a second, it's picking up and pulling as good as the Yamaha. And then depending on how low you let the RPM go, the more and more the KTM suffers. Conversely, if you were to do this and you started maybe at a higher RPM, kind of like a mid-throttle, you're halfway through the speed of the, um, you know, kind of the range of the gear, and then you get on the throttle there, then the KTM would actually beat both of the other bikes. And it's, and then it's sort of, it runs out of, a, it runs out of the gear a little bit quicker because it pulls through it so much quicker. Uh, the thing about the Yamaha is it pulls for a long time and the Honda kind of runs through the power a little bit quicker, meaning the gear ratio is just a little bit shorter. So there's a little bit of gearing in that, but it's mostly, it's very true telling of the power. So then we turn around and we ride back and we were on a dry lake bed. And if I was on the KTM, uh, it was bye-bye. <laughs> and I'll tell you some numbers here. So we did a top speed run on these bikes. And as you can imagine, the KTM was the fastest. It went 94 miles an hour downwind. Um, so we had a pretty good headwind when we were doing most of the roll-ons and stuff, but it was consistent for all the bikes. They're all riding the same headwind. But pulling into the headwind, the KTM was able to go 85 miles an hour, but that was done in fifth gear, not sixth. Okay, the Yamaha went 77 miles an hour into the headwind, and the Honda went 77 miles into the headwind in fifth gear because it only has five speeds. Then you turn around and go downwind, the Yamaha was able to go 90 miles an hour in sixth gear, and the Honda went 77 miles an hour in fifth gear because it's hitting the, hitting the rev limiter. It runs, out of, it runs out of gearing. And so you have to start thinking about, okay, it's torque versus horsepower, and the speed that you're going to be racing and the speed in the transmissions, the gearing in the transmissions. And then there's also the tuning options, which I'll get into kind of last in this discussion. So all these bikes, they only, you know, compared to a bigger bike, they only have a certain amount of torque in when you get to, um, you know, start tuning them, you start tuning them more for the horsepower, for peak power, kind of like the KTM has done. It, lo it starts losing a little bit of that torque, that drive, that chug. And then when the Yamaha sort of feels maybe a little flat on top or lacking horsepower, um, that's what it's getting. That's where it's getting its bottom end and mid-range from. They're sacrificing a little on the top top to have some bottom end. And I, I don't I don't know exactly what they specifically want to do or how they specifically decide to do this. But in certain instances, like if you're Yamaha, you say, well, if you get to that point, then shift and it pulls again. And if you're KTM, which is on the other end of the spectrum where it really likes to be revved and it makes a lot of horsepower and it pulls really hard when it's revving, if you are down at too low of RPM, downshift and run the RPMs back up. 
And so that's the thing. Honda seems like they hit it right in the middle, and they've got a really good power spread, and it has a little bit of the Yamaha characteristics and a little bit of the KTM characteristics, and it just kind of sits in this happy spot in the middle. Overall, they're all three really good motors. They're they're um, pretty impressive for 250s. If you haven't ridden a 250F for a long time, uh, you would be hard-pressed to compare this to something from even maybe four or five years ago engines just didn't put out this kind of power even the motocross bikes so that's um one thing to kind of recognize or pay attention to is that there have been a lot of improvements and it is getting a lot better and i'm going to try to get my little monitor running here so i can see where what we're doing i've lost connectivity because our internets are so bad here if it comes back alive um but there i am hey look at me uh so so those are the, that's the torque versus horsepower. And so when you start saying which is the best one, it's kind of like what speed are you racing at? Are you doing more high-speed stuff and um, stuff where you can really let the bike rev? Then the Honda and the KTM really come into play. If you're doing more stuff where you're coming into turns that are tighter and more technical stuff, things where you're really slowing down, um, or maybe your ability level isn't to where you're really running the bike hard up high on the rpms all the time the yamaha really starts to come into play so those are the characteristics of the motors basically stock and then we talk about the transmissions uh, honda is doing it with a five-speed transmission the gear ratios in that five-speed transmission are really good the one thing it lacks is kind of a, a higher speed sixth gear or having a fifth gear that really has a lot of a lot of range to it first gear is low enough for almost anything you would encounter in a racing situation the uh yamaha has probably the tighter tighter it was well, definitely the tighter of the two six-speed transmissions it favors itself being a little bit lower down um first gear is a little bit lower again lending itself to that tighter more technical kind of racing but six gear is fast enough to go anywhere and the ktm interestingly has a six speed that I call an overdrive. So when you click that KTM into six, sixth gear, you'd better be going level or downhill or have a tailwind to take advantage of it. That's how I used to gear my 125s when I raced. Um, fifth gear would pull it as fast as it would go on a level or kind of slightly uphill valley, for instance. But when you use sixth gear, or maybe you're trail riding, you hop out into a road and you want to run a slightly lower RPM to kind of cruise down the road, the KTM has a really good gearbox for that. And now we come into tuning options. So there's three different ways of doing this um, with these three manufacturers. Uh, probably the simplest, uh, the, the most, the most user-friendly is the KTM. It has two maps and then options for traction control on both of those two maps activated by a handlebar-mounted switch. You can do it on the fly. It's one quick push of a button, and it goes from kind of a low-end, mid-range map then it has kind of a more aggressive top-end uh, map. And they're noticeable for most riders. You can tell the difference. The pickup and pull is better on map one. The roll-on is better on map one. Map two just kind of, it's a little lackadaisical on the bottom and then really revs and pulls quite a bit farther up in the RPM range. To you know, It's what it feels like in map two. Um, is it making any more power? A lot of times these maps, they don't necessarily make more power. It's just a character, um, and it makes it easier or harder to ride. 
in my world, I would like to have the bottom of map one and the top of map two put together in that map and then had have another map that works. So I wish I could tune those maps. I wish I could adjust those maps. I hardly ever use traction control. Uh, and it, it just kind of deadens, it deadens the feel of the throttle when you're being aggressive because it's doing something with the ignition to get the bike to hook up better. Um, I imagine, especially for lighter riders, that this feature would be good and um, some people would like it. Uh, for me, I didn't didn't really use it. I know on, on some of the, I've ridden some other KTMs, more powerful KTMs with it, and it works phenomenal when you're trail riding in more technical situations. So uh, that's the kind of going, you know, the, the, the setup with the, the KTM with the buttons and I'm gonna try to get my thing to reconnect again. I don't think. I think we're just gonna have to. You're gonna have to watch this tomorrow on the, on the YouTube's. Uh, so then we start. Uh, talking about the tuning options of the Honda. Honda has three different maps. There, well, two of the maps are really, really good. The, um, map one is the standard map. And that's the one I don't like. All right, I don't say I don't like it. It just doesn't have anything for me. I wish I could put something else in there. And I know with an HRC tuner, I could go in there and alter that map. Um, the second map uh, is the kind of more low-end and torquey map. And for anything single track or more technical, that is what you want to use. Uh, it definitely makes a big difference in the way that the bike rolls on and it pulls. And it, it acts a lot more like a Yamaha when you're in map uh, number two. And then map three is almost like a stock motocross bike. It loses a lot of that low end uh, pull and snap. And then it revs a lot further and it gets a lot freer revving. Um, and it just lives up on top. So if you're out in open, faster stuff, like um, the area where the KTM really shines, you would want to be in map three. The problem with the Honda tuner is that the bike has to be at an idle. So you literally, if you're trying to switch it on the fly, you have to pull in the clutch, let the motor go down to idle speed, even if you're still moving, and then hold that button for three seconds to get it to switch from map two to map three. And then if you want to go from map three to map two, you have to do that twice. So it's kind of a fail on Honda's point, but I, I know that that's some sort of legal requirements or they don't want you switching it on the fly. If there was an aftermarket switch for that, it'd be awesome. Then we come to Yamaha. No switches whatsoever. Can't change it on the fly, at least not yet. Um, we see what you can do with the YZ250. We expect that's coming. But the cool thing about the Yamaha is you have the option to use the old power tuner. That's a handheld device. We posted some maps up on our Instagram feed. Um, on our first impression of this bike uh, on Dirt Bike Test, we have some maps. And those maps transform this bike to uh, make the the bottom end uh, better, less kind of less snappy, and then make the top end last longer and pull longer. And it it literally for for me specifically, I mean I I, I made the maps myself, so it's it transforms the bike. It stock stock, it's good. I put these maps in there and it becomes great. And and I have I have two different ones kind of depending on what I would how how aggressive I want the bottom to be. And so for, I have a kind of one that would be more trail riding where I really kill the very initial part and then I have one that's more a little bit more race that 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 
takes a takes about half of it out of the bottom, and then but both of them really let the top end um, work a lot better. And then somebody had asked on on one of the questions, will these maps work with? Uh, he had a 270 kit on his bike. Will these maps work? Absolutely. Um, and in fact, if you have a different uh, setup, you know whether it's a muffler or s you're going to be making little changes. In any map, just like the stock map is a good baseline, the, the ability to be able to change it so easily is is huge. And KTM, uh, there's not really that option, um, you know, with the standard bike. HRC has a tuning tool that works on the Honda, and you can get that, and it's a little more complex, but you can achieve the same things. I haven't had a chance to play with it on a new, on a, you know, this year's uh, CRF, so... Uh, I can't really comment on it because I haven't tested on it, but that's where these motors are at. And I know it's a long-winded um, kind of explanation of the motors, which one is best. There's three different flavors for you to choose from, and you have to decide. Uh, for me, I preferred the Yamaha, but only after I put the map into it. And especially being heavier, that bottom end made a, made a, big, made a big difference. So, um, on to the suspension. Uh, this is easier. Um, the Yamaha is the best. <laughs> um, and the reason I'm saying that is because with all the weight ranges and different riders and different stuff that we tested with, the Yamaha took the least fiddling. Uh, it was the best, it had the best bump compliance with the best bottoming resistance, no matter the weight of the rider. And it just, it was just easy. Um, when you go to the Honda, the KTM, uh, they both worked better for a lighter rider overall and the ktm actually works one step better in the honda because of the air fork the wp air fork is very easy to essentially adjust the spring rates so you can soften up the front and kind of match out the back pretty easy we're on the honda which is a little stiffer on the front than the other two bikes when you start getting soft in the rear um it's not as easy to easy to kind of tune it but both of those bikes kind of were definitely set up for a little bit lighter riders. Um, and then it would just came down to personal preferences. All of them worked excellent, especially when you go into racing um, conditions. Uh, for trail riding, some people might find uh, the Honda and the Yamaha a little stiff feeling. The KTM, um, it kind of depends. It, it really depends on the, on, the, on the bike. If it felt too stiff in the front, you could definitely you know, change the attitude of the bike, add some spring preload. And on any of them, you could change it a little bit, but the Honda and the Yamaha with the aluminum frames tended to feel just a little bit stiffer. Uh, but suspension is really good. Uh, the KTM is as supple with, um, you know, for how how good it resists bottoming. But I think the Yamaha is just a, it has it seems like it has a more progressive curve uh, all the way through the the stroke, and really. Uh, it was just easy. That's kind of what it comes down to. But there's not a loser. There's nothing really to complain about with any of those bikes, you know, at all. They're they're all good, and then you could tune them into whatever you needed to tune them into. So, um, uh-oh, stickers falling off. Uh, handling. Here's where the KTM is pretty easy to classify. And then whether this is the best trait or the worst trait, you decide. The KTM is the lightest. Um, it was 238 pounds on the scale, which was eight pounds lighter than the Yamaha. And uh, the Honda was, Honda was at 
So eight. I'm sorry. Let me get this right. Two thirty-eight for the KTM, two forty-six for the Honda, and two fifty-one for the Yamaha. And that's weight full of uh, full of gas, ready to go. Um, so the KTM is eight pounds lighter than the Honda, and I got to do math again. I don't like it. So it's a a let's say ten. 10, 5, how many's? <laughs> 13 pounds uh, lighter than the Yamaha. Gosh, I should probably write that down earlier. So in being lighter, it feels, uh, it's also, the other biggest thing the KTM has going for it is it looks narrow. When you, when you look down at it, the gas tank is more conventional, especially this Yamaha, which is the old kind of design. You see that black section up above the top of the gas tank. Uh, that has people feeling that the bike is wide, and the Honda with its larger tank that's predominantly up high and it's black has riders um, thinking that the bike looks wider, and then they say it feels wider, and then it feels heavier. Riding it, I don't think that the KTM is as light as these numbers tell you. It is the lightest feeling bike, but the Honda can feel the lightest in some circumstances. And, and there's even, if you don't steer with the handlebars, you steal more through the foot pegs, the Yamaha, especially in combination with the power, the Yamaha actually feels very light. Of course, they're 250Fs, they're all really light when they're even compared to a 350 or a 450. They're amazingly light and agile. So um, that's the, the weight part of it. Um, the Honda is in the middle. So the KTM is light on the scale, light in feel, and when you start characterizing the handling, it's a little bit twitchy and not as planted at speed as the other bikes. Now, twitchy doesn't mean unstable. It just means it's it reacts quite a bit to what you, the rider, are doing or if it hits bumps and stuff. Um, I wouldn't go to the point where it's, it's unstable, where you need to get a steering stabilizer, but if any of these bikes would benefit from one that would be it the honda rides right in the middle and it is uh pretty pretty nimble um but it has a little bit of extra stability compared to the other two bikes and i'm not really sure why it is and it doesn't seem to go away too much as the you know as you you don't have to lower the rear end to get extra stability you can have the bike be very balanced um, with the KTM and the Yamaha, you can drop. You don't like the stability. You want more stability. You can drop the backs of them a little bit, and they they seem to respond pretty well. And then the, the Yamaha is is a light feeling bike, but it's heavy in the handlebars, and so the steering it feels like there's a little more weight bias onto the front wheel, um, and the steering tends to feel a little bit heavier, which kind of translates for a lot of riders. They say the Yamaha feels heavier, plus it looks heavier, and it's it's there, but novice riders also said that bike feels really stable where the ktm a lot of times just didn't give them that level of kind of confidence um when they're going in there but i think the biggest thing the ktm has is how thin it is and the the other two look a little fatter and that just for most riders that really kind of drug the uh the opinions down the hole um when we start talking about all the components, the clutches, brakes, the the stuff the bikes are you know built, the handlebars, grips, things like these are all really high level, well built, um, well built bikes. 
uh, some standout things for sure. The hydraulic clutch and the KTM, the ease of adjustment of the KTM levers is pretty nice. Um, the positioning of them, but in reality, most of us are riding one bike. And so once you get your setting, um, you're going to leave it there. It made it easy to test the KTM because I could hop on it and unscrew my brake lever. So it almost bumps into my knuckles where someone with a big hand could screw it right back in and have, you know, the perfect position. But they're, they're all quick adjust clutch clutches, which was nice. Um, the in the but the ergonomics on all the bikes uh they're they're adjustable they you can move the handlebar positions around uh and all that is it's it's pretty much the same on all the bikes uh the brakes nothing really stood out with one being better stronger than the other um they they have slightly different feels to them but um overall we're really happy with it it seems like they've really kind of tightened uh that game uh, back up. KTM has gone from being a little bit more touchy uh, to more controlled and the other bikes have worked on their strength making the brakes stronger so they're more like the KTM's used to be. Um, so pretty good. And then when I start kind of running down the thing, oh, it's taco time. Yeah, my tacos. So it is Taco Tuesday. That's why I'm here. Suffering with suffering with my, uh, my internet connectivity problems which um, Let's see. Yeah, what are the tank sizes for each? You're going to ask me numbers again? Uh, <laughs> so all these manufacturers have really good spec pages on their uh, on their websites, and so you should go there if you want to get specs because I can't remember rattle it off. I'll tell you one thing. They all started getting low on fuel. In other words, their fuel lights came on at right about the same time, um, and that was near... 60 well the one time we went and we did we did a bunch of sand tracks we did two sand tracks for a long time and i think we were about 45 miles when the light on the yamaha came on first and then the other two shortly after that um so it was like we could have squeezed out man, it would have been tough to get 60 out of it probably i would say closer to 55 miles on the full tanks you know but that was hard sand riding with some of those dry lake bed runs on it by the way and then um i think but you know as far as uh this you know the the yamaha is the is the i think it's the smallest of the tanks i'd have to check but that's what they make spec sheets for um but they're all close um and then and then i think that most people that are racing are going to be looking at you know uh, depending on the kind of racing you're doing, but if you're looking for longer distance stuff, you're probably going to be looking at an aftermarket tank with a dry brake and stuff, and then the Yamaha, because of where the tank is located, could be a little bit of a challenge. So um, in my world, uh, essentially the price prices on these bikes are all the same. They're very close. The durability on these three bikes is all kind of the same. Um, I, you know, you're going to have people that say, KTM's break every time you ride them, and Honda's break every time you ride them, and Yamaha's break every time you ride them. But in reality, I've ridden all of them quite a bit over the years, and they're it's the same. If you're going to break a KTM, you're going to break a Yamaha, and you're going to break a Honda too. So same stuff. So what would I change on these bikes? Um, on the CRF, I would get an on-the-fly button to change maps and then tune the maps a little bit from that. And... A thinner gas tank was on the list for a lot of riders. Uh, handguards, of course, which we did put handguards on that bike. Um, then on the Yamaha, 
uh, I would have a two-position map switch, which would be awesome, and then handguards. So they put handguards on it for us. The KTM does not come with a skid plate. Um, ours did because they didn't want us uh, beating up the frame rails. And so my uh, mod on the KTM would be to blend the two maps into a single map and then make another one that was slightly different. And I would uh, add a steering damper on that bike for sure. Just, just not because it needs it, but actually any of these bikes would like a steering damper. So those are the things I would do to these bikes right off the bat. Um, I wouldn't, for any of them, t if I were to go race tomorrow, I wouldn't have to modify the suspension. I would just set it up, um, balance it out for my weight, and go from there. So which is the best one? Uh, that's up for you to decide. <laughs> I'm not going to decide for you, but I'll tell you what I like. I'll tell you what you should think about. The tighter the terrain, the more technical the terrain, the more low-end kind of riding you're doing, it's the Yamaha, clearly the Yamaha. Um, there's no doubt about it. The faster and more open you get, you're starting to look at the Honda and the KTM. But here's the thing. The KTM isn't, like I said, it doesn't have that stability. It has the sixth gear for it, but maybe not that g good, really stable feeling. So it's kind of a contradiction. The motor likes to go really super fast and, and flight, and then the chassis says, hey, I'd, the chassis would be great if it had more bottom end and lower end. It would be right there with the Yamaha. But these bikes are so motor dependent. And then the Honda fits right there um, in the middle all of the time. And if you don't need that sixth gear for extra top speed, the transmission isn't an issue. And in reality, 95% of the time you're riding, um, that five speed is getting the job done. And I know we like to complain about six speeds. I love six speeds. But you think about it, when are you actually using you know, that six speed? And can you gear the bike? And by gear the bike, the KTM six six speed. If you were racing a Grand Prix, unless you actually hopped out on a road where you could use it, you probably would never use sixth gear. You could probably gear it down, or you know, add a tooth or two to the rear, and then you know, tighten up the gears a little bit, and then six would come into play. But um, it's uh, it's a it's an interesting thing. You know, you got to kind of decide what you're really going to use this thing for, use these bikes for, and decide. So. That's how it uh, ran out on our on our test. Um, hopefully, we'll get something written up here. Hopefully, we'll put a video together. But I watched some of the uh, video we had, and we had a nice spot on our GoPro, fake pro camera that we were using. And those are all ugly. And then you don't want to watch my chesty because all I do is get roosted the whole time, and it makes you seasick. So um, we'll see what happens there. I'm going to look at my comments and see where we're at questions let's see I'm sitting down at the table and you're talking about very odd you don't like to talk about bikes when we hang out uh, yeah great no no I don't that's why I'm doing this on on it I only feel comfortable when I'm in front of a camera and where is I can't see my comments I'm working on it technical difficulties I need a producer Let's see. Don't use your Yamaha tuning app at Ramiro's. Uh, let's see. Ain't you bandwidth? What? Uh, uh, yeah, right. Uh, dirt tracks, ice race rules, and uh, 
I can see why these are hard to do. You have to have somebody screen out um, all of the goofy comments that don't work. Okay, speaking of goofy comments, how about this? So somebody asked me on one of our other things. Uh, let's see. This is a question I got when on one of our videos when we were talking about the Honda Africa Twin with the DCT transmission. It's, can you disconnect the power on a DCT like you can on a manual? And I'm curious what that means. Is that like disconnect, like pulling the clutch, disconnect the power? Or, disin you know, I'm, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so the answer is, uh, yeah, I have to be, you have to be a little more specific sometimes in the questions. If you're talking about disconnect via some sort of a clutch, you can pop the bike into neutral. Um, there is a way to there is a way to do that so you can so you can coast. But no, you don't have a clutch where the clutch usually is. There's a brake lever on that bike. So hopefully, um, it takes me a little while to think about these questions. Back to um, when we were talking about our KTM 1090 um, build that we did a few weeks back. I got a really long question from somebody uh, told me about their summer riding and um, going back and forth between a 450 and something to do with BMWs and then Husky 701s and on and on and then the question is oh they, they were, a lot of time they were worried about the heat coming off the motorcycle and I couldn't tell whether it was the heat off the engine through the radiators or the heat down by the foot peg from the cat um, so yeah, there is some heat, and there was there are aftermarket shields and options. But what KTM has done from the early 1190 to the 1290 and 1090 is they've put some different, li just little tiny heat shields on there, and it does make a difference. But if you're still sitting in traffic and it's hot, you're going to feel it on your legs. The seat is going to get warm. Uh, I don't really do that too much, so it wasn't it wasn't an issue. And then, what do you think of the 1190 versus 1090 and I don't know if that was talking specifically about the heat or about the bikes in general but I'll tell you my take on 1090 versus 1190 1090 feels 40 pounds lighter just plain and simple it feels 40 pounds lighter and it's so much more light and agile when you're riding it the way you would ride an adventure bike the 1190 feels like especially at the crack of throttle it feels like it has always 20 more horsepower it's in especially at the crack of throttle because it's not doing what the 1090 does, which is this sort of um, kind of delay on the very initial opening of the throttle. The, 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 the 1190 is very instant and very responsive. The 1090 tends to, it, if you turn it really fast, it's gonna open the butterflies very slow right at the beginning. So it's almost like a little bit of a delay. And then there just isn't the torque and the snap for the first third of throttle on a 1090. Um, but when you're riding off-road, you don't need that kind of snap and throttle response. And I run mine in sport all the time, but it's more like you're running your 1190 in rain mode is kind of what the power you're getting with your 1090 all the time. So uh, take it for what it's worth. I can spin the tire uh, at any time I want to and make the front end come up anytime I want to. So how much power do you really need? Uh, but it's mostly weight and handling, and then the 1090 has the PDS shock in the back, which is 100 times better than what the 1190 has, and which is just standard. It just, it just has better damping control, and that 
on its own kind of makes the bike handle quite a bit better. So there's my take on those two bikes. Rolling on to, I can't see if we're, how we're doing on the questions here. We're gonna fix, we're gonna fix this internet connectivity thing here. Um, let, let's see, who's that? Greg, I gotta see if I can find that someplace. I. Let's see, out east single track, enduro, think Ohio. Would you choose the Honda or the Kate? Uh, Yamaha. <laughs> you didn't give me the option. Like I said, the more tight and technical. And Ohio isn't that greasy rocks, and and little stream bottoms and stuff. I would probably take the the Yamaha in in that. But out of those two, boy, um, Honda and Map Two would be really good. But um, I, I would be, I would rather have the KTM suspension. <laughs> so I wish the KTM had a little more torque, and and it has it has it has pretty good torque. It just doesn't pick up and go. So, uh, boy, that would be it. I it. They're both they're at that point they're kind of the same. The Honda and the KTM. Uh, it depends on whether you're if you're more if you're more if you like the motor to be is more your focal point. Go with the Honda. If you're more concerned about suspension, go with the KTM. Uh, is that hams from the tap? No, it is not Michael Brown. It is unfortunate. I'm not even going to say what it is. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. Somebody's there. Let's see. Chris, what are the tank sizes? And how cool was it the year you guys rode the BMW HP2s at Erzberg for the prologue? Do you think about the HP2 out there for sale as an adventure bike? Um, BMW still owes me an HP2. <laughs> that was that was in my contract. I was supposed to be able to keep one of the race bikes, and uh, that seemed to vaporize when I quit racing for them. <laughs> so, uh, um, what, what? How cool was it? It was bitching. Um, I think I'm still the fastest time ever up the uh, mountain at Erzberg, but they enacted some strange rule that your two runs had to be within a certain percentage time right after my bike broke on my second run. So. Um, love making excuses on why I could never win something like that but uh I did have a really fast time on the first day of prologue um it was never I don't think it was ever elapsed in fact they 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 put in chicanes because of how fast we were going on those bikes uh so it was it was pretty cool I actually asked BMW if I could race it in hair scrambles the next day the first year we did it they said no way because they knew the bike wouldn't make it and I'd probably break it uh and then the next year um uh, Giovanna Sala and Simo Kersey got to go head-to-head -head on the uh, KTM 950 Super Enduro and the HP2 and the thing, but I chose to ride my trusty gas gas so I could finish that thing for real, which was probably a good choice. So um, let's see, and we'll scroll down. Um, hey, Trevor, wow, done with your homework, huh? <laughs> um, questions i had a question on uh our ktm 350 video review that we put up there and the question is um he's asking about the reeds and the intake what are they for what do they do um why are they in there they're in there for sound so you think about it the reed valve is working just like it does in a two-stroke every time there's air getting pulled through there pulsing the reeds close that when the when the pulse you know when there's there's cam overlap in the motor and when 
there's just noise that's intake noise that's trying to come out there. And by those reeds closing, it actually stops the sound. Honda did this a long time ago, um, and they had it in uh, XR 500s and 350s, I believe. They actually had reeds inside the head. Interesting thing, those reeds were on the front side of the carburetor. The KTM reed is back in the air boot. Um, and in essence, by moving it back there, kind of what this does, it is also kind of builds, helps builds up the charge and the pressure inside of the intake track. So instead of that pressure escaping all the way back into the air box, right out through the air filter, it stays inside and it keeps, technically, it kind of keeps it sort of charged up. Now, the problem is space. They don't have a lot of room to put those reeds in there. So as the motors get bigger, you would need to have bigger and bigger reeds. They don't have the space for it, so it becomes a restriction. I know there's the question, are these reeds a problem? Do they break as stuff happen? I've never had one break. Um, I've been riding bikes with them for a long time. I find that the reeds actually increase the torque at lower to mid-range RPMs. I like them. I like it that keeps the it gives the bike a more torquey feel. I remember when I rode one, they didn't even tell me what was in there. They said, Go ride this. It was just a 500. And I'm like, Wow, what did you do to this thing? Because it just felt like it had a lot more torque. I don't know what size reed block it was a prototype thing uh, was in there. But it is a restriction when you start getting up higher in the RPMs. And essentially at that point, the reeds are wide open, anyways. They're probably, I, maybe they're closing. I couldn't tell you. But. It, then you're being restricted by the more, you know, the smaller space the air has to flow through. So when you start talking to these tuners and stuff that are getting a lot more horsepower by taking them out, that's what they're doing. They're just increasing the airflow. And if you could get an air boot that didn't have the reed block in there at all, or you can cut the reed block out, I don't know. I haven't done it. I don't ride a bike at that RPM, those type of bikes at that RPM where I feel I need uh, that kind of power. I haven't found that I need that level of power for the 90% of the time I'm riding in the RPM range where the reeds are actually a benefit. So can you take them out? Yes. Uh, then, But anything you do to alter those bikes now, you have to do some fueling work. Because if you just put a muffler on, they get really lean. If you just take the reeds out, I don't know what happens, but I know they don't run as good with the reeds in. I rode some of these bikes and said, yeah, I took the reeds out, and it just felt flat, and and it just... it it just felt dead and and in in a bad way it just took everything good that the reeds had done because i have i have some ktm 500s and 350s that don't have the reed blocks in them uh they're older ones before that was implemented and i wish they had it in there i mean that's that's i like the i like the torque feel that it gives the bike so um that's me i like usable power i like traction um and i like uh bikes that are wrist to rear wheel connectivity i don't like something i go like this and it goes bah! you know and pops um, I don't want wheel spin, and, and a lot of times when you start making more power, you end up getting you know a certain amount more wheel spin. So, and I always tell people if you want more power, just turn the throttle farther. It's that simple. So uh, let's see. Yeah, Taco Bell probably has better internets than here, I, and it's right down the street. I might I might be there next. Uh, <laughs> I might be be there. Let's see. Yeah, Cameron. Sorry about that. I didn't. I didn't invent the internet's. Uh, your your answer will be on the 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 video that I put up tomorrow morning when I edit out all of the, the the beginning and the end BS. And I wish somehow I connectivity. Even here, I'm dropping out. I can't even see whether I'm connected. 
on my phone. This is frustrating. We had luckily last we had it solved and we didn't and then someone brought their their phone in and it allowed us to um, kind of stay connected and I can't even tell when it's connecting or not connecting. So and even the questions aren't popping up very quick. So uh, sorry for that. It's on me. I'll work on it. And some of the other questions that we had. So if you have questions you want them answered, uh, the best thing to do is when I post this up onto Dirt Bike Test, go there and down at the bottom of the page, there is a form. It's through a discuss. It's almost like a message board kind of thing. Ask the questions there and I promise you I'll answer those and I'll bring them either the next week or I'll answer them directly on that form to kind of get those things uh, sorted for you. So, uh, let's see, WR450, we kind of went back to this um, with some of the questions. And the answer, the question was, is it more torquey than a KTM 500? No. No, nope. uh, 500 has more torque. But when I get that competition ECU for that WR450, I promise you I can go in there and probably give it more torque than a KTM 500. And that's with the stock muffler, the way that the uh, stock KTM 500 Um that's with the uh, stock muffler, and then I'm sure with a little bit of exhaust and some slight fueling changes, which can all be done through that app that's going to connect with the competition ECU, um, that would probably solve my my uh, my problems and answer your questions. Because the other question, when he asked that, qu when this guy asked the question, I said, "Is street legality an issue for you?" And he said, "No," and that takes away all the advantages that the KTM comes with or disadvantages that it comes with because of it is a street legal bike and the Yamaha is only an off-road bike. So, uh, and then his next one was uh, WR450 or YZ450FX. Previous to this model, it was a no-brainer. It was just, I didn't really know. Yeah, the, the WR, you had to be, it be it was a real specific reason for getting a WR. The Everything about the FX was better even at doing kind of trail riding WR stuff. Now, I'm kind of taken back because this WR is a lot more YZ-like. So if if you can get that competition ECU and if you can start tuning it with the with the Power Tuner app, with the Yamaha app, um, that makes all the difference in the world. And that would make it so, for the most part, I almost would start wanting to go WR. I mean, the more race, the more you're really just going to race um, FX. Uh, the more you're going to trail ride, WR. It's it's that simple. So um, one other thing um, we're going to mention here is don't forget that we have dirt bike test T-shirts are available. I have one right here. How do you how do you how do you get these? You go on to dirt bike test someplace up on the uh, the banner or the the board there. There's a store or a shop or something like that, and uh, you click it. Takes you to our little store this week um this week i can actually send those out without having a two or three day delay for me to get to them so uh if you want dbt t-shirts go there and this podcast broadcast live this broken up um i couldn't watch it on facebook thing is uh brought to you by climb and climb has been supporting dirt bike tests since we got started they are makers of very fine motorcycle gear and this week i got a brand new dakar jacket so I know you guys like specs. I don't have any specs on it. I know it's about 250 bucks. Um, and I'm gonna show you what I like about it. 
uh, it's not waterproof. No, I don't. I don't like. Well, I don't like not waterproof. But in reality, I sweat from the inside out, so I make my own water, and so waterproof for the most part. Um, they make really good waterproof stuff, and when I do that, I wear the Traverse jacket. But I was riding all weekend with this in the rain, and it is. They have a coating on it. It's probably like you know the Scotch Guard or something like that, and it works. It kept me dry, and this jacket is super durable feeling. It's built with some, you know, numbers back to the specs, like six million Cordura denim six something. I don't know. I'm not worried about the specs, but what was cool? This is what they've done to this. I'll show you here. Um, it has this zipper right here on the sleeve, and if you've ever worn a jacket that you're riding with sleeves. You always seems like you get hot on the arm and the wrist, and this opens up, and it almost becomes completely vented, which I thought was really cool. The only thing I would want to do, and climb designers pay attention to this, is this closure. This closure here, I would have put it on the other side so that when you do zip it down, it kind of holds this thing shut. It never came open, but if I only wanted it a little bit open, it seemed like it then it kind of wanted to keep going. But this way, it would it would kind of lock it, lock it shut. But um, that it takes all of their um, their armor protection. It doesn't come with it, but if you want to slide in that D3O um, armor and protection, there's all the pockets for it, which is pretty cool. If you don't want to wear a chest protector or you want to have some, like a lot of times I run only the shoulder guards or sometimes I run the elbows. And the other super cool thing about this, and this is probably why they didn't make it out of Gore-Tex and stuff, is the sleeves zip off. So um, when, oh, I know what I just did. I just hit my soundboard. That's why it got funky. Okay, so um, the sleeves on this jacket zip off, and it, I was a big vest guy a long time ago. I love loved vests. They were hard to get, and um, now this thing can convert into a vest. You take your sleeves off, throw them in the, uh, in the pouch in the back. You just fold them in half and slide them in there, and you're good to go there. So... Pretty stoked. I wasn't a big fan of the old Dakar jacket. It was kind of, it was weird. It just didn't have the right fit. This one has that good climb fit that all of the other jackets seem to have, um, especially the lighter jackets. It's it's heavy enough to be super durable feeling. Uh, it has padding and reinforcement and all the, you know, the extra panels and all that thing, and it, it flexes. There's some stuff where it flexes in the back where the old one kind of felt locked up. So pretty... Um, pretty stoked on that i'm happy uh that uh climb helps us out keeps us going barely we barely keep going here um this is our uh this is our uh, kind of a kind of a labor of love we're really trying to kick it in gear um and working on uh making it bigger and better so it kind of all depends on you guys sharing supporting thanks for uh coming a lot um alive as much as you can on the <laughs> on the internets that don't work here at least for me um i'm gonna try to work on that a little bit and uh from there i think i'm gonna check questions one more time after that i think we're gonna go ahead and wrap this thing up let's see uh yeah we're yeah we're running uh running hey brian fulton i see you're on there uh one of my kids crashed the Honda CRF 250RX and blew the handguards apart. You know anybody? <laughs> they were a Churvy's handguards. They were pretty durable. The bike took a good hit. He has a uh, broken wrist, unfortunately. So um, uh, it, it, did, it did, do some, did do some damage. Uh, not the bike's fault, uh, for sure. So anyways, um, 
that's about it from Ramiro's here. Ramiro's with no Wi-Fi uh, here in Pahrump, Nevada. We will uh, come back at you next week, hopefully a little bit uh, stronger and better. If you have any questions, I don't know what we'll talk about. I'm not sure what I'm testing this week yet. Um, ben, uh, ben, oh, I know what I'm going to ride. I get to ride uh, a Johnny Campbell Racing Factory Honda 450 X, um, the bike that Ricky Brabeck will be racing in the Mint 400 this weekend. So I got that on the schedule. So maybe we'll talk about that, maybe a little bit about the Mint. Um, maybe not. I don't like racing coverage. <laughs> so <laughs> but if that's what you want to talk about, we can talk about that. Um, maybe we can get some live guests in here. See, I didn't even set up my second microphone over here. Um, but uh, I'm, I've, I'm not that uh, apprehensive. So I'm going to eat my tacos. Thanks a lot. I'm going to try to turn. I have to turn off my my thing here through the Internet, so that may take a few minutes. So uh, thanks for joining, and uh, we will uh, keep in touch. We'll see you out in the trails. <laughs>